The Hound of the Baskervilles by A. Cullen Doyle Chapter 9 The Light Upon the Moor Second Report of Dr. Watson Baskerville Hall, October 15th My dear Holmes, if I am compelled to leave you without much news during the early days of my mission, you must acknowledge I am making up for a loss of time. And the next events are now crowding thick and fast upon us. In my last report, I ended upon my top moat, the very moment the window. Now I am quite a budget already, which will, unless I am most much mistaken, considerably surprise you. Things are taking a turn which I could not have anticipated. In some ways, they have, within the last 48 hours, become much clearer. In some ways, they have become more complicated. But I will tell you all, and that you shall judge for yourself. <clears throat> Before breakfast on the morning following my adventure, I went down the corridor and examined the room which Bermond had been on the night before. The western window through which he had stared so intently was, I noted, one peculiar above all other windows in the house. Commands the nearest outlook on to the moor. There is an opening between two trees that enables one, from his point of view, to look down right upon it while there are from all the other windows is only a distant glimpse of which can be attained it follows therefore that Barrymore since only this window could serve the purpose must have been looking out for something or somebody upon the moor night was very dark so I could hardly imagine how he could have seen hope to see anyone it struck me that it was possible that some lonely tree was on the foot that would have accounted for his stealthy movements and also for the easiness of his wife. Man is strikingly good look looking striking looking fellow. Very well quick to steal the heart of a country girl. So let this fairy seem to have something to support it. The opening of the door, which I heard after I returned to my room, might mean he'd gone out to keep some trusting appointment. So I reasoned for myself in the morning. I would tell you in the direction of my suspicions, however much result may have shown that you were unfounded. But whatever the true explanation of the Barrymore's movements must be, I felt that the responsibility of keeping them to myself until I could explain them was more than I could bear. I'd interviewed the baronet in his study after breakfast. I told him all I had to have seen. He was less surprised than expected. I knew that Barrymore had walked about nights. I had mind to speak to him about it, said he. Two and three knights have heard his steps in the passage coming and going just about the name hour or your, your name. Perhaps then he pays a visit every night to that particular window, I suggested. Perhaps he does. If so, we should be able to shadow him and see what it is that he's after. I wonder what our friend Holmes would do if he were here. I believe he would do exactly what you now suggest, said I. He would follow Barrymore and see what he did. Then we shall do it together, but surely he will hear us. Man is rather deaf in any case. We'll take our, our chance on that. For that, we sit up in my room tonight and wait until he passes. Sir Henry rubbed his hands of pleasure. It was evident that he hailed the adventure as a relief to a somewhat quiet life upon the moor. Bernard had been the communication of the architect, who prepared the plans of Sir Charles, contractor from London, so you might expect great change to begin here soon. Ben decorate his and furnishes up from Plymouth. It's evident that our friend 
Desires are deeds and means to spare no pains. The expense of store the grandeur of those families. The house is renovated and refurnished. All that you need will be his wife to make it complete. Between ourselves, there are pretty clear signs that his will will not wanted the women his lady's wedding. I have seldom seen a man be more frustrated than a woman than he is with our beautiful neighbour, Miss Stapleton. And yet the course of true love does not quite run, run as quite as smoothly as one would under circumstances suspect. Lady Zumpel's surface was broken by a very unexpected ripple, which caused our friend considerable perplexity and annoyance. From the conversation which I have quoted about Barrymore, Sir Henry put on his hat, prepared to go out. Well, of course, I did the same. What are you, what are you coming, Watson? he asked, looking me curious by him. It depends on whether you're going on the moor, said I. Yes, I am. Well, you know what my instructions are. I'm sorry to intrude, but you heard how earnestly Holmes insisted. Should not leave you, especially that you should go, not go alone on upon the moor. So Henry put his hand upon my shoulder, pleasant smile. My dear fellow, said he, Holmes, with all his wisdom, did not foresee some things which were ha- happened, uh, have happened since. I've been on the moor, you understand me? I saw you are the last man in the world who had wished to be a spiral sport. I must go out alone. It put me in a most awkward position. I was at a loss of what to say or what to do. Before I had made up my mind, he picked up his cane and was gone. When I came to think the matter over, my conscience reproached me bitterly for having any pretext allowed him to go out on my on my sight. I imagined what my feelings would be if I had to return to you to confess that some misfortune occurred through my discarded discarded instructions. Sure, you, my cheeks flushed at the very thought. I might not even be now be late, too late to overtake him. So I set off at once in the direction of Merripit House. I hurried along the road at the top of my speed without seeing anything Sir Henry until came up a point where the moor path branches off. There, fearing that perhaps I had come the wrong direction after all, I mounted a hill which I must con- could command a view. The same hill which cut into the dark quarry. Hence I saw him at once. He was on the moor path about a quarter of a mile off. A lady was on his side, who could only be Miss Stapleton. It's clear there was already an understanding between them. They had met on by appointment. They were walking slowly along in a deep conversation. I saw her making quick little movements of her hands as if, uh, if she were earnest in what she was saying, while he listened intently once or twice, threw up his head in strong dissent. I stood among the rocks watching them, very much puzzled as what I should do next. I followed them and break their intimate conversation, seen an outrage. Yet my clear duty was never for an instant let him out of my sight. To act a spy upon a friend was a hateful task. Shall I could not see no better course to observe him from the hill, and I clear my conscience by confessing to him afterwards I had done. It true if I have any stood any sudden danger. A friend in was too far away to be of use. I am sure that you agree with me. The position was very difficult. There was nothing more that I could, which I could do. Our friend Sir Henry and the lady halted on the path and were standing deeply absorbed in conversation. I stand suddenly aware that I was not the only witness to their interviews. Of their interview, a wisp of green floating in the air caught my eye. Another glance showed me was carried by a stick by a man who was moving along the broken ground, the stapled into his butterfly net. 
He was very much closer to the pair than I was. He appeared to be moving in their direction. In this instance, Sir Henry suddenly drew Miss Stapleton to his side. His arm was round her. It seemed to me she was staring away, straying away from him with her uh, face averted. He stooped his head to hers. She raised one hand as if in protest. Next moment, I saw them spring apart and turn hurry around. Stapleton was the cause of the inter- interruption. He was running wildly towards them, his third neck dangling behind him. He gestured that almost danced with excitement in front of lovers. But it's what the scene meant I could not imagine. It seemed to me that Stapleton was beauty sending off his explanation, which became more angry. As the others refused to set them, Lady stood by in haughty silence. Finally, Stapleton turned upon his heel and beckoned preliminary way to his sister. Whom, after insolvable glance, Sir Henry walked off by the side of her brother. Nature's angry gestures showed that the lady was included displeasure. Barnet stood for a minute, looking after them. Then he walked slowly back the way he had come, his head hanging, a very picture dejection. What all this meant I could not imagine, but I was deeply ashamed of having witnessed so limpid at the scene. Without my friend's knowledge, I ran back down the hill, therefore, and met the baronet on the bottom. His face was flushed with anger, his brows were wrinkled like one with his wit's end and what to do. Oh, hello, uh, Watson. What have you dropped from? said he. What well, doesn't mean to say you come after me in spite of all? Very indifferent to him. How I had found it impossible remained behind. How I followed him. How I witnessed all that occurred. For instance, his eyes blazed at me. By a frankness disarmed his anger, he broke at last into a rather ruthless laugh. You would have thought the middle of the prairie a fairly safe place for man to be private, said he, but my thunder, the whole countryside, seems to be now out to see me by through my wooing. A mighty poor wooing at that. I had, did you gaze just since? I was on the hill, quite a wheel in the back row, but my brother was well up at the front. You seem come up to, up to us? Yes, I did. Did he ever strike you as being crazy, this brother of hers? Can't say he ever did. I dare say not. I always thought him sane enough until today. But you can take it from me that either he or I ought to be a straitjacket. What's the matter with me, anyway? You live here? Live near me for some weeks, Watson. Tell me straight now. Is there anything that would prevent me from having a, making a good husband to a woman that I love? I should say not. He can't object to my worldly position. So it must be myself that he's, I put his, he's down on. What has he against me? I never heard of any man or woman in my life that I know of. And yet he could not do so much as let me touch the tips of fingers. You say so? That, and a great deal more, I tell you, Watson. I know her a few weeks, from, but from the first I felt she was made for me, and she too. She is happy when she was made for me, and that I swear. The light in a woman's eyes that speaks rather than words. That he was never let us get together. It was only today, for the first time, I saw a chance of having a few words alone. She had to meet me. And when she did, not the love that she would talk about. She wouldn't have let me talk about it either. If she could have stopped it. Even she could have stopped it. She kept coming back to to it. That this, that this place is this a place of danger. She would never be happy. So I left it. I told her that since I had seen her, there was no hurry to leave. She really wanted me to go. The only way to work it was for her to arrange to go with me. For that, I offered in so many words to marry her. 
Before she could answer down came her brother of hers, running at me with a face like a madman. He was just right with he was worth white with rage. Those bright blue those light eyes of his were blazing with fury. What am I doing with the lady? How dared I offer the attention which was distasteful to her? Do I think that because I was a baronet I could have been doing what I liked? He had not been her brother, I should have known better not how to answer him. As I well, as it was, I told him my feelings towards his sister were such as I was not ashamed of. I hope that you might honour me by coming my wife. I've seen to make the matter no better, so that I lost my temper too. I asked him rather more hotly, and should perhaps have assured that he was sent by. So it ended up by his going off with her, as you saw. And here I am, as badly puzzled as man of any in this country. County. Let me tell me, just tell me, what it all means, Watson. Oh, you more than I ever had hoped to pay. Tried one or two explanations, but indeed I was completely puzzled myself. A friend's title, his fortune, his age, his character, appearance are all in his favour. I know nothing against him, unless it is his dark fate which runs in his family. But that his advances should be rejected by Brisky without any reference to the lady's own wishes, that a lady should have accepted the situation without protest is very amazing. However, other conjectures were set at rest by a visit to the stable himself that very afternoon. He would offer apologies for his rudeness of the morning, and after a long study of private interview with Sir Henry, his study did not shock their conversation. The breach is quite healed. They are no they are to dine. Merribit House next Friday, the sign of it. Don't, don't say how he is a crazy man, said Sir Henry. And don't can't forget the look in his eyes. And he ran at me this morning. I must allow that no man could talk, could, could make a more handsome apology than he has done. Did he give an explanation to his conduct? Says says everything is well, he says. It's actually enough. I'm glad that you should always stand of value. They've always been together, according to his account. He has been a very lonely man, with only her as a companion. Was that so the thought of losing her was really terrible to him? He had not understood, he said, of becoming a taxer. But when he saw with his own eyes that it really so might be taken away from him, gave him such a shock that for a time... He is not responsible for what he said or did. He's very sorry for all he had passed. At past, he recognised how foolish, how selfish it was. He should have imagined he could hold a beautiful woman like his sister than himself. Whole life. Whole life. If she had wanted to leave him, he'd rather it was to a neighbour like myself than anyone else. But in any case, it was a blow to him, and it would take him some time for he could prepare himself to meet it. He would draw one position upon his part. If I would promise for three months to let the rest at rest, be tent and cultivating the French friendship, during that time without shaming the love. Yes, I promise to set the matter rest. There is one of our small mysteries to clear it up. There's something to have touched bottom anywhere in this bog in which we are plundering. You know how now why Stephen looked with disfavour upon so sister sister suitor. Even when the suitor was surrendered with one Sir Henry, now passed on another thread, which was saturated out the tinge, skein and mystery of the stobs and the likes. But the tear-stained face of Miss Barrymore 
A secret journey the butler to the western latisse window. Congratulations, you meet my dear Holmes. Now tell me, I'm not displeased you as an agent. Yet you're not going to break the confidence which you show me. You sent me down. There are all these things have been done by one night's work being thoroughly cleared. I said by one night's riot's work, but in truth it was two nights work. On my first he drew tiny blank I sat out with Sir Henry in the his rooms till nearly three o'clock in the mor- three o'clock in the morning. No sound of any sort did we hear except the chiming clock upon the stairs. It was a most melancholy vigil, ended by each of us falling asleep in our chairs. Fortunately we were not discouraged, determined to try again. Next night we lowered the lamp and set smoky cigars without making the least sound. It's incredible how slowly the hours crawled by, yet we helped through it by some sort of impatient interest which the hunter might feel when he, as he watched the trap into which he hopes the game may wander. One struck and two had almost the second day and given it for, up for spare, but in an instant we both sat bolt upright in our chairs where we were our weary senses keenly alert once more. We heard the creak and a step in the passage. We steadily heard it pass along till it died away in the distance. Then the baronet gently opened the door. The door. We set out in the pursuit. Already our men had gone around the court gallery. The corridor was all in darkness. So off we strolled along until we came upon the weather wing. We were there just in time to catch a glimpse. Tall, black-bearded figure. His shoulders rounded. Tip- Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Download the passage. If I answer the same door, therefore, and then the light the candle framed it in the darkness and shot one single yellow beam through the gloom of the window corridor. We shoveled curiously towards it, trying every plank before we dared to put our whole weight upon it. We had taken the precaution of leaving our shoes but boots behind us. No, but even so, old bulls snapped and creaked beneath our tread. Sometimes it even seemed impossible we should hear, fail to hear our approach. However, the man is fortunately rather deaf. He is entirely preoccupied in which he is doing. But at least we reached the door and peeped. When we last reached the door through which he 
and peeped through he found him crouched in the window of candle his hand his white intent face pressed against the pane exactly as seen him two nights before he had arranged a plan no plan of campaign but of clarinet is a man to whom the most direct way is always the most natural he walked into a room where he did so barrymore sprang up from the window with a sharp hiss of his breath and stood living trembling voice his black dark eyes flaring out of his white mask of face and full of horror and astonishment he gazed from sir henry to me what are you doing here said barrymore nothing sir said as you said great could hardly speak shadows sprang up and down from his shaking with his candle it was the window, sir. I go round at night to see they are fastened on the second floor. Yes, sir, all the windows. Look here, Barrymore, said Mr. Henry. Sonny, we have made up our minds to have the truth out of you. So you will save the trouble to tell sooner rather than later. Now come on, no lies. What are you doing at the window? Fellow looked at us in a helpless way. He rang his hands together like one who is in the last extremity of doubt and misery. Are you going no harm, sir? I hold a candle to the window. And why are you holding a candle to the window? Don't ask me, Sir Henry. Don't ask me. I'll give you my word, sir. It's not my secret. I cannot tell it. But if it concerns no one but myself, I will try, try to keep it from you. So an idea occurred to me. I took the candle from the trembling hand of the butler. We must have been holding it as a signal, said I. Let's see if it had any answer. How did it appear done? I have stared out into the darkness of the night. Vaguely, I could discern the black bank, the trees, and the lighter expanse of the moor. The moon was behind the clouds. I given a cry of exhaustion, for a tiny pinpoint of yellow light suddenly transfixed a dark veil and glowed stealthily in the centre of that squared frame by the window. There is, I said, is a cry. No, no, sir, it's nothing. Nothing all, the panther broke in. I assure you, sir. Move your light across the window, Watson. Baronet, see that other moves also. Now you rascal, do you deny that that is a signal? Come, speak up. Who is your confidant out yonder? And what is conspiracy that is going on? Man's face become overly defiant. It is my business, not yours. I will not tell. Yeah, leave my pipe and run away. Very good, sir. I, if I must, I must. You go in disgrace, by thunder. You may well be ashamed of yourself. The families live with mine under. For over a hundred years under this roof, I have found your deep, you deep in some dark plot against me. No, no, sir, not against you. It's a, it was a woman's voice of Miss Barrymore, pallor and more horror-struck. Her husband was standing at the door, a bulky figure in a straw and skirt, might be in a comic, where it's not for the tendency of feeling upon a face. We have to go, Eliza. This is the end of it. You can pack your old things, said the butler. Oh, John, John, I brought you to this. It's not it's my doing, Sir Henry, or mine. You've done nothing except for my sake, because I asked him. Step out. Speak out, then. What does it mean? Why are there be brothers starving in the moor? You can't let him perish any more at our gates, very gates. A light is to signal to him that food is ready for him. His light out yonder is to show the spot which we bring it. And your brother is the escaped convict, sir. Seldom the convict, convict him all. That's the truth, sir, said Barrymore. I said, it's not my secret. I could not tell it to you. And now that you've heard it, you will see if it were was a plot. It was not against you. This is then, was the explanation of stealthy expedition that night. A light at the window. Henry and I both stared at the woman in amazement. 
But it wasn't this stoically respectable person with one of the same blood as one of the most serious criminals in this country. Yes, said Yes, yes, my name is Selden, and he is he is my brother younger brother. He honoured him too much when I was a lad. I gave him his way, way, everything until he came to think the world made of his pleasure. He could do what he liked in it. When he grew older, he met wicked companions and devil hated him. If he broke me my mother's heart, I dragged our name into the dirt. From crime to crime he sank lower and lower, until only the mercy of God which had snatched him from the scaffold. But to me, sir, he's always a little curlier boy. I had nursed and played with an older sister would. It was a way he broke prison, sir. He knew that I was here. He could not refuse to help him. He dragged himself here one night, very starving. I wouldn't hardly tell. What could we do? We took him in and fed him and cared for him. Then he returned, sir. I never thought we'd be safe on the moor anywhere else until the human cry was over. He lay in the hiding there, but every night he was sick and night. Then he made sure he was still there, pulling light in the window. If there was an answer, my husband took out some bread and some meat for him. Every day we hoped it was gone, gone, but as long as he was there, we could not desert him. It's the whole truth, as I am an honest Christian woman. You will see that there is no blame. There is blame in the matter. It does not lie with my husband, but with me, if I chose. For whose sake he has done all that he has. The woman's words came with intense earnestness, which caused conviction from them. Is this true, Barrymore? Yes, said Henry. Every word of it. But I cannot blame you for standing by your own wife. Forgive, forget what I've said. Go to a room, you two. We shall talk further about this matter in the morning. When they were gone, we looked out the window again. Her Henry playing open in the cold night. Cold night wind beat into our faces. High and by, by the black distance, there still glowed that one point of the other light. Yeah, I wonder if he dares, said Henry. Said her Henry. It might be so placed to be only visible from here. Very likely, but how far do you think it is? Out by the cliff, too, I think. Not more than a mile or two off, hardly that. Well, we can't be far if Barrymore had to carry out the food to it. He his, he, he's waiting, Miss Villain, beside the candle by thunder. Watson, I'm going to take out that man. The second thought that crossed my mind was not if Barrymore had taken us into their confidence. The secret had been false from them. A man with danger of committing his own rank of great scandal. For whom has it been a pity nor excuse? We are only doing our duty in taking this chance of putting him in where he could not do no harm. With brutal and violent nature, others would have to pay the price we held our hands. We held our hands. Any night, for example, their neighbours, the segments might be attacked by him. It might have been the thought of this which made Henry so keen upon his attention. Oh, come, said I. And get your revolver and put on your boots. The sooner we start, the better. The fellow may have put his light and be off. The five minutes we were outside the door, joined upon the other expedition. We hurried through the dark shrubbery, the dull moaning of the autumn wind, the rustle of the falling leaves, and the night air was heavy, the smell of damp and decay. Now and again, the moor peeped out, of it, out for an instant. The clouds were driving over the face of the sky. As we came upon the moor, a thin rain began to fall. A light still burned steadily in front. Are you armed? I asked. I have a hunting crop. He was close, much closer to me, roughly. He said he's a, a, a desperate fellow. 
which should take him by surprise, make him have him out, have him unmerciful before he can exist. I say, Watson, said Barnet, what would Watson Holmes say to this? How about that hour of darkness in which the power of evil is exalted? If the answer to his words would have rose sunny out of the vast gloom of the moor, strange cry, which I had already heard upon the moor boulders, great grip had been there, came from the wind through the silence of the night, a long, dull mutter, and then a rising howl and unsaid moan, which it died away. Again and again it sounded the whole air throbbing with its strident, wild and menacing. But it caught my sleeve, his face grew white through the darkness. My God, what's that, Watson? I don't know, it's a sound they, they have on the moor. I've heard it once before. It died away, and that, that, that such sight closed in upon us. We stood straining our ears, but nothing came. Watson said to Barnett, it was a cry of a hound. My blood ran cold in my veins. There was a break in his voice, which told of sudden horror which had seized him. What did they call this sound, he asked? Who? The folk of the countryside. Oh, they're ignorant people. Why should they mind what they call it? Tell me, Watson. What did they say of it? As they but could not escape the question. They say it's a cry of the hound of Bassergills. He groaned and silent for a moment. And it was, he said at last. It seemed to come from miles away. Over yonder, I think. It's hard to say whence it came. It rose and fell to wind. Isn't that the direction of the great Frampton Moor? Yes, it is. Whoever is up there, come on. Come there, Watson. Don't you think yourself that it was a cry of a hound? I am not a child. You need not fear of speak the truth. Stephen was with me when I heard it at last. He said it might be calling a strange bird. No, no, it's a hound, my God. Could there be some truth in his story, all those stories? Possible that I'm really in danger of some sort of darker cause? You don't believe it, do you, Watson? No, no. And yet it is one thing to laugh about in London, yet another to stand here in the darkness of the moor and hear so much a quiet as that. And my uncle, there was a footprint to the, of the hound at the side of the lay, and all these fits together. Well, all the fits together, don't think I'm a coward, Watson. No, but our very, that very sound seemed to freeze my very blood, fill my cold hand with cold as a block of marble. You may be, you'll be all right tomorrow. I don't think I'll get that cry out of my head. What do you advise we do now? Well, we turn back. Now by fun, we'll come out to get our man. We'll do it. We have after a convict and a hellhound, as likely as not upon us. Come on, we'll lose, see it through. There's a the fiends of the pit. We're loose upon the moor. We stumbled slowly along the darkness, along in the darkness, with the black loom of the craggy hills around us. The second and a yellow speck of light burning still in front. There is nothing susceptible to the distance of light upon a pitch black night, and sometimes a glimmer seemed to be far away, horizon, and sometimes it might have been within a few yards of us. But at last we could see whence it came. Then we knew that we were indeed very close. A glowing candle was struck in the crevice of the rocks that flanked it on its very side, each side of it, to keep the wind from it, also prevent it from being visible, save the direction of Bassville Hall. A board of granite concealed a approach and branching behind it, to gaze over a single light, strange to see this candle candle burning there in the middle of the moor. There no sign of life near it, just one straight yellow flame, a gleam of rock on either side of it. What shall we do now? whispered Sir Henry. Wait here. We must be near his light. Let us see if we can get a glimpse of him. 
Well, the honey out of my mouth. Why are we both sorry? I opened a box of crevice. Which candle burn? They thrust out of evil yellow face. A terrible animal face. All smeared and scored. With vile passions foul with mire. With bristling beard and hung with matted hair. We might have wed well. Belonged to one of those savages who dwelt in the burrows on the hillside. Light beneath him reflected his small cunning eyes. We appeared fiercely to right and left through the darkness like a crafty savage animal. Savage animal that had heard the step of, her hunt, of the hunters. Something eventually roused his suspicions. It may have been at Barrymore that some private signal which he had been neglected to give. The fellow may have had some other reason for thinking all was not well. I could read his fears upon his withered face. In the instant he might dash out the light and vanish in the darkness. I sprang forward therefore and Sir Henry did the same. The same moment the convict screamed a curse to us. Held a rock which splintered up against the boulder which had sheltered us. I caught one glimpse of his short, squat, strongly built figure. He sprang to his feet and turned to run. Same moment by lucky chance the moon broke through the clouds. He rushed over the rail of the hill. It was all ran running, great speed down another, the other hill side, springing over the stones in a way, its way, the activity of mounting goats. A lucky long shot of my rover might have crippled him, but I brought it only to defend myself. If attacked, I'd not shoot another man who was running away. We were both swift runners in fairly good training. We soon found. He had no chance of overtaking him. He saw him for a long time in moonlight, so he only a small step, moving swiftly among the boulders. Upon the side of a distant hill, he ran and ran until he was completely blown. The space between us grew even wilder. Ever wilder, finally we stopped, sat panting on two rocks, while we watched him disappearing in the distance. It was this, it was at this moment that occurred the most strange and expected thing. We had risen from a rock. We had turned to go home, we abandoned a hopeless case. The moon was low upon the right, a jagged pinnacle of granite tor stood up against a low card of a silver disc. It outlined as black as a new statue. On that shining background, I saw a figure of a man upon the floor. Tor, do not think it was a delusion, Grams. I assure you that I've never seen in my life anything more clearly. As far as I could judge, the figure was that of a tall, thin man. He stood with his legs separate, his arms folded, his head bowed, as if he was brooding over that enormous wilderness, a peat and granite, which lay before him. He might have been the very spirit of that terrible place. He was not the convict. This man was far from the place where the latter disappeared. Besides, a much taller man, with a cry of surprise, pointed him out to Baronet. The Vincent doing, doing which I turned to grasp his arms. The man was gone. The sharp pinnacle granite still covering the lower edge of the moon. The peak bore no trace of that silent, motionless figure. We wished to go in the direction of search the tour, with some distance away, but its nerves were still quivering from the cry. We called a dark story his family. He was not in the mood for fresh adventures. He had only seen his lonely man upon the moor, and he could not feel the thrill which his presence, his commanding attitude, had given to me. I wonder, no doubt, said he. A moor had been thick with him since his fellow escaped. Perhaps his explanation may be the right one, but I should have liked to have further proof of it. Today we mean to communicate to the Princetown people that he stood, looked, 
they should look for their missing man. It's Harry Lyons. We have not actually had the triumph of taking him, uh, the triumph of being back to our own, our own as our own prisoner. So the adventures of last night, you must acknowledge, my dear Holmes, that I have done very well in the matter of the report, which, of what I tell you, no doubt, quite irreverent. I shall feel it best I should let you have all the facts, and leave you to select for yourself those which you will be of most service to you, I hope in you your conclusions. We are certainly making some progress. As far as the Barrymore's go, we have found a motive for this action. We have teared up the situation very much. The more with its secret mystery, the strange inhabitants remain as scrutable as ever. Perhaps in my next, in my next, I may be able to throw some light upon this. I dare say. First of all, would it be if you come down to us? In any case, you will hear from me again. Of course, the next few days. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.